Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Bush Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording... Our next storyteller, uh, I, I asked her what, you know, what, she, what she did, what she wanted me to say about her. She works for Pilot Media. That's all that means to anybody except the people she works with. Give it up for Carrie Crispin! <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi. Ooh. Are we going there? This is my first meeting. Um, so my name is Carrie, and I'm a local gal, and this is my first time, so please be gentle. Um, <laughs> with a whole room full of people, too. That'll, my husband will love that. Um, so I became interested in this topic because I am incredibly sensitive when it comes to smell. Um, I have a nose like a German shepherd, according to my husband, and that's usually because I can tell when he has had a cigarette before he walks in the door from 50 paces in the middle of the street. And he doesn't smoke according to our insurance, so it's, it's usually a problem when I catch him. I'm like, oh, where have you been? I'm like, JB's or headlights? Nope, JB's side, talking to Cherry. Got it. Bourbon, not, not Budweiser. Um, so I'm pretty sensitive to smells, and um, I am either incredibly engaged by them or just in love with them or repulsed by them. And so I have three smells that I can't stand, um, that I'm just absolutely turned off by. My least favorite smell in this world is urine. I don't like any form of it. When I was pregnant with my first child, walking through the streets of New York City was really challenging because apparently everybody pisses in the street in New York City. Add summertime to that equation and the first trimester of pregnancy and forget about it. I was barfing in a Starbucks. There was, it, was, it was a terrible, terrible night. Um, I, hate fem- I hate children's urine. I love my children. I can't stand the smell of their pee. Um, there is nothing worse to me than a two-day-old pull-up stuck in the bottom of a trash can. Just, it's god-awful. Um, I don't like pet urine either. I have a geriatric cat who is still mad at me for having had children. My son will be nine next week. So this has been going on for a while. Um, and then last but not least, I can't stand puppy urine. We have a new puppy. We had 11 inches of snow. You do the math. It was not good. So least favorite smell in the world is is urine. Um, Number two and number three are the smell of mildew and burning plastic. The first smell I can't stand probably because for the last 18 years of my life, I've been completely inundated with urine. Between owning pets and having children, I can't believe how many things pee and in the wrong place. Often. It's mind-blowing. The last two smells I can't stand because of a deeper trauma, and so that's really what I'm here to talk about tonight. It was 1995. I was a senior in high school, and, you know, back in the 90s, it was the time when cell phones were for fancy people. Gas was 99 cents a gallon, and you would go to the mall to buy goods and Meet Boys, which is kind of like Amazon and Tinder, sort of rolled into one place. It, it was really 
actually quite efficient. Um, my grandmother got Alzheimer's and my whole world opened up because I finally got a chance to drive a car. You couldn't do anything in the 90s without driving a car. I grew up out in Carrollton, which is about 20 miles from here. No matter how many times I say that, people are like, where is that? It's between Suffolk and Smithfield. It's, you have to have a car to get the, around. Um, and then in addition to that, you had to have a car to be popular. And I was not popular because I didn't have a car. But anyway, grandma gets Alzheimer's, can't drive anymore. Whole world opens up, life is good again, except for the Alzheimer's. And um, my, because of insurance, I thought I was going to drive my grandmother's car. I was like, oh, this is you know, sad that grandma can't drive anymore, but yay me. Um, but my mom was like, no, because of the insurance, you're going to have to drive my car, which was a 1985 Chrysler LeBaron GTS, not immediately the year make and model that makes you popular, but it got me from point A to point B. And then my grandmother, my mom would drive my grandmother's car, which was a 1989 Plymouth Sundance, also known as the worst car in America. So for about five or six months, I'm driving, this, I'm driving my mom's car. And as time goes on, my mom and I, you know, there would be these points of friction. And I could tell she was kind of pissed about something, but I didn't really, I didn't get it. Well, one day, um, just after graduating from high school, I was headed out to go on a babysitting job. And so I'm like, all right, I'll see you later. Bye. And I grabbed the keys. And um, my mom's like, no, you're taking grandma's car. And I was like, oh, why? She goes, got the insurance fixed. This is now your car. Give me back my car. Don't ever touch my car again. I'm like, okay. I didn't care. I was like, all right, fine. So I go and I get into my grandmother's car, which I had not been in for several months because I couldn't drive it, and every time we would leave to go somewhere, we would always take my mom's car. So I go, I get in the car, and I'm halfway out of the driveway when all of a sudden, the most overwhelming smell of mildew hits me square in the face, and it's everything I can do to not throw up. It smelled like someone had taken a load of beach towels from a washer and decided, hey, here's a great place to dry these off. Let's put them in the trunk of this car and see what happens. And just left them there for three years. It was the worst mildew smell I'd ever smelled in my life. And suddenly I'm like rolling down windows and I'm like, oh my God. I get it now. I get why my mom has been so pissed at me. Every day for the last six months of her life, this poor woman was getting into a car that smelled like moldy ass. And she was having to drive 15 minutes to work each way, while her teenage daughter got to drive the car of her dreams, that this was her favorite car, you know, all over Hampton Roads. So I'm just like overwhelmed with the smell. I'm like, this is the worst smelling car. What happened? Get to my babysitting job, get through it, get home, talk to my dad that night, and I'm like, dad, what on earth? And he's like, I don't know. I have no idea what what caused the smell. We would spend the next three, four years trying to figure this out. We tried everything to get rid of the smell. It was 1996, seven, somewhere around there, so we only had Glade, no Febreze. Febreze hadn't been invented yet. We tried using that carpet cleaner stuff that you sprinkle on carpet 
that I'm pretty sure they know now causes mesothelioma, so we don't use that, but it didn't work. We tried everything. I stopped just short of the crown air freshener. Didn't quite cross that, that threshold, but you know the scene from um, Seven with the Christmas trees, I'm like, yeah, man, I get it. We tried those too. I eventually developed an affinity for this car because this is my car. I got to drive it. I, I drove it into college, all throughout college. By about the junior year of college, I, um, I decided I'm going to trick out this ride. I'm going to get a specialty license plate that says 3DELT. <laughs> I am absolutely certain that if the offices of TriDelta had known that I did that, they would have kicked me out of the sorority because... By 1999, the paint was peeling off of the hood, the headliner was falling down, and there were more door dings and dents than a hailstorm could produce, and it was just the most god-awful, unclassy ride. But I loved it, and I, I swore I would drive it forever, and I almost did, until that fateful day, August 12th, 1999. I was working as a staffing person in downtown Norfolk for a company called Lawyer Staffing. And I was working for this woman, Barbara, that I absolutely adored. She was my mentor. She was my first real boss. And I loved that I got to, like, dress up and put on suits and heels and go, like, pretend to be important. And so I worked really hard. And I worked well past five most nights because I was getting paid hourly and she wouldn't cut me off. So I was like, sweet. Well, this one particular night, around 7 o'clock, we're packing up, getting ready to leave the office. And I look at Barb and I'm like, oh, tomorrow's Friday the 13th. I better charge up my cell phone. I did not have a cell phone in the sense that we all have cell phones today. I had the family cell phone, which was one of two monstrosities. If you used them together, you could get a great workout because they were amazing. Um, for 89 cents a minute, you could get one whole hour of conversation in. Um, so I had this family cell phone, and my dad was always after me to keep it charged, but um, I, I just made this comment, you know, better charge my cell phone, tomorrow's Friday the 13th. So I get in the car, drive through the tunnel in downtown Norfolk, I'm headed off to Carrollton. Just as I'm crossing over the West Norfolk Bridge, I smell burning plastic. I'm like, what is that smell? And I keep driving, and then suddenly I'm like, oh my God, some asshole. (sighs) Better get their car fixed. Ew. (laughs) Some asshole is ripping an ozone, a hole in the ozone because of all this smoke. Chug, 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 keep going down the highway. That asshole was me. I was having car trouble. The smoke that I saw from some other asshole was actually coming from my car, and it started coming fast and furious, and so I realized that I'm in a pretty bad way here. So I pull over just before the college drive exit, and I turn the car off. I reach for my cell phone, and like any smart, resourceful career-focused gal in 1999, I pressed pound 77 to dial the state police. 
because now smoke is pouring from the hood of my car at a rate that is very alarming. It rings twice. The woman goes, hello, stay polite. Cell phone dies. On cue. And I'm going, oh my God. So I get out of the car because there's this little voice in my head that says, get everything that you own. Get all of the important papers. Take them with you. So I get all of this stuff and I throw it into my briefcase and I get outside in my black pants suit and my red silk shirt and my sensible pumps and I'm just standing on the side of the highway looking at my car wondering why the hell the exhaust is still running when the keys are in my hand. Hence the smoke pouring out from the hood. This, this blonde gets helped once every 16 weeks but it's real. I couldn't figure out that my car was on fire until the flames started bursting forth from the hood, and it was like, oh my God. That smell of burning plastic was plastic burning. (laughs) So I'm standing there, a guy in a delivery truck pulls over, and he's like, do you need help? And I'm like, no, yes. And and I'm like, do you have a cell phone? And because it's 19-fucking-99, he's like, no. I can give you a ride. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, no. Dad said, what does my training say? (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, maybe, but he seems nice. So I'm going through this whole, like, battle in my head. And then suddenly, as I'm walking towards the bad decision, a.k.a. the delivery truck that could totally smuggle me and a lot of other sex workers, my boss steps from behind or from in front of the delivery truck, and just steps into the light, and it's Barbara. And she's standing there with her very nice Nissan Maxima and her fully charged cell phone. (laughs) And she's like, oh, okay, I thought that was you. And I'm like, yep. (laughs) How many people were driving around with a William & Mary three-delt license plate? One. Um... So Barbara had called 911, and fire trucks were starting to pull up. And within about 10 minutes, I was standing on the side of the road, flames now fully engulfing my 1989 Plymouth Sundance. And my dad and my mom and Barbara's husband, Sam, were pulled up within minutes. And I was absolutely bracing myself for what was coming next. Because I was sure... My parents were probably angry and terrified or both and I was just waiting for the yelling to begin and instead I got serenaded because Sam and my dad decided to sing every song they could think of with fire in the title (laughs) come on baby light my fire ring of fire goodness gracious great balls of fire I was mortified. They were laughing hysterically. The fire trucks made quick work. They put it out. Everybody was fine. My parents were there to escort me home safely. And all I could think about was the downside. Not the fact that I had not actually burst into flames on the side of the road, but the fact that I am about to start my senior year of college, and I have no whip. 
My car is gone. How am I going to work? How am I going to go to parties? How am I going to do anything? And as I'm walking away, I'm telling my dad all of this, and he puts his arm around me, and he goes, don't worry, relax, it's insured. We'll figure something out. And then he looks at me, and he goes, well, we finally got the smell out. (laughs) Thank you. If you'd like to come out and tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org. We will find a list of upcoming shows, submission and contact forms, and more Storyteller podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.